0: Welcome to the Freedom City Church podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, all right. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's good to be back in the house of the Lord. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord. Lord. Um, I feel so far away from you. Do I need to say yeah? Yeah. I usually come. I'm gonna go closer. Sorry. In, in here we are. This is the spot. This is the spot right here. Yeah. Welcome back to Freedom City Church for 2022. 2022. You think I had a good Christmas. You had know, a good. New Year's break, I did, I did have a good really cool hand up. Yeah. Girls, did a great boot at the I love it. Um, I'm, I had a really good break, really good time off, but I, I'm really excited about this year. You know, like 2021 is now the year that was, 2022 is now the year that is is where we are and no, that's not profound <laughs> but <yeah. laughs> I not go into the profound stuff yeah but we're in, we're in a year yeah. I don't know if you take time at the end of the year excited to hear God's voice or to reflect on the year that was but I do and I have a real sense that 2022 is going to be a year of faith a year of faith I don't know if that's safe for you, but what I believe is that faith in God, in His goodness, in His provision, in His kingdom, is something that we can have faith in. It's something that we can do this year. We can exercise our faith muscles a bit more. Hands up, who has joined the gym to start the year? Well, you <laughs> no. have well, You have come. <laughs> yeah. You have come to the, the spiritual gym. You have signed up for membership. There's no sign-up fees. But please bring it down. You have come to the spiritual gym. Because this year, I believe that this year is a year of growth. Faith and growth. Because faith is a muscle. And when you exercise that muscle, there's growth. So for us this year, I, I'm committing to you in a way that I believe I'm going to pour into you like I've never poured into you before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you like I've never led you before. My question for you is, though, is that are you going to commit to that as well? To growing, to being a part of what's going on here, to, to putting your life before God, like these songs we just sang. And saying, God, I want to grow. I want to know you more. 2021 was, but I want what is. I want this year to be the year of faith, the year of growth. And we'll unpack faith at a a different time because I do have an exciting sermon series to introduce us to you. Um, but just quickly, next uh, this year we have some really exciting things going on. First and foremost, we have a church camp. Woo-hoo! We have a church camp, and we have settled on Nanga. So we're going to be going to Nanga Bush Camp, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, we also have um, we have a guest, speaker coming up later on this term. We have Pastor Lee for coming back. French oh, to, to us. We have some church picnics, storytellers' meetings, amazing messages, and so much more. And so I'm excited for this year. I believe that if we all lean in, and we all bring who we are to the table, we can make, we can make God glorified in this place, in this community. And I'm not sure if you realize, like, just the Nisha said we're a little church before, and we are but we have a mighty role. We are a church that has influenced other churches around us. We're a church that has impact in other suburbs and other places. And I think that's such an amazing thing because it talks more about the, the heart of God and when we do the will of God than it does about how big we are and how many people we get through the doors. Alright, so 2022, turn to the person next to you and say, it's going to be a good year. If you have kids, say, My kids are going to sleep. <laughs> if you have toddlers, say, My toddlers are going to eat. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you're an adult, say, I'm going to find peace this year. I want to find peace this year. Right, so, the thing that we're going to go into this year, start of the year is actually born out of a conversation that we had with our camp committee. You might not know this, but this church has a camp committee. We're planning a camp together. Specifically from the mouth of Louise. <laughs> so, <laughs> Louise is on my back and she's like, What are we having a camping group? What are we having a camping group? What are we having a camping group? And I was like, alright, you organize it. (laughs) That it might never happen. So she she did organize it and then she's like, what's the theme, Andrew? What's the theme, Andrew? What's the theme, Andrew? i was like, you tell me, Louise. And Louise, Louise came and she said, on earth as it is in heaven. And then I was just like, Screw it, I'm going to steal it for the whole year. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to take that, and I'm just going to preach into that. Because I think it's such a powerful, powerful idea. Heaven on earth. And if you're not familiar with this idea, you will be seen. So my question to you is, what would life look like if heaven was right here, right now? What would the world look like if heaven came down? So over the next few months, we're gonna focus on things called kingdom principles. And a principle is this, this is fun, a fundamental truth. What a, a fundamental truth, a proposition that serves as a foundation for a system or belief, or behavior, or for a chain of reasoning. So my question instead will be asking, what are the fundamental truths of heaven that can serve as the foundation for how we live on earth? Let me say that again. What are the fundamental truths of heaven that can serve as the foundation for how we live on earth? This is a big question. This is a big question to ask so we can't answer it in one day and I'm not going to attempt to but what I'm going to do is I'm going to start walking us through the truths of heaven. Does that sound good? Yes. Who wants to know what the truths of heaven are? Who wants to know that when they come to a situation and they say, what would Jesus do? That they would know. Who wants to know if they come to a situation where they have to choose this way, or that way. They can hear God's voice and know that this is a truth of heaven. that can direct me the way that I live my life. You know, one of the things that we we don't live with in the kingdom is guilt and shame. We, we shouldn't live with it. So what we're trying to do is find the ways of of God that will take us away from these things, the things that aren't of God, and bring us into the things of God. So, first of all, I want to introduce us to heaven. Turn to the person next to you. I just want to do an interaction. I just want to do an interaction. Say, so, Heaven is a place on earth. Heaven. heaven is a place on earth. So, it. it's, a, it's a banger of a song, but it's actually it's actually a really interesting thing for someone to write. It's a very interesting thing for someone to write. Alright, I'm going to introduce you to something called the Now and the Not Yet. I've talked about this before, but let's do a refresher course. The Now and the Not Yet. The Now and the Not Yet is what we are living in right now and not yet. Kingdom theology distinguishes between the current world, the one that we live in, and the world ruled by God, which is his kingdom. Kingdom theology holds the importance of the kingdom of God as a core value and teaches that the kingdom currently exists in the world, but not yet in its fullness. The theology maintains that the kingdom of God will come in fullness with Christ's second coming. So, in the future, fulfillment, evil will be completely destroyed and God's complete rule on earth established. So, if we were to look at the world that we're currently living in, and we were to look at the suffering, the pain, the evil, would you say off the top of your head, this looks like heaven? If we know that God is good and he is gracious and we to look at what's happening on the news every day, would we, we say that this is the fulfillment of his kingdom? No. So what's happening is we are currently living in the now and the not yet. More so than now. And it's like a tension. You know, you say, nah, look onto your bad shoulder, look onto your good shoulder. All right, so you set and I, you know, Sierra. you set the not yet, and I'm the now. I'm trying to pull her into the now. I'm trying to pull the not yet. Oh, it's so strong, Gisette. I'm trying to pull the not yet. Thank you. that's good. I'm trying to pull the not yet into the now by the way that I live my life, by the way that I seek God, by the way that I pray. We have this tension that exists that will only be broken through the return of Jesus Christ. This second return. So what we have is we have this tension that we live in. So even though Yusef was being brought into the the now, she's not fully in the now yet. So even though heaven is here, it is not fully here. Even though the kingdom of God is here, only once Jesus comes in the second time will we see the fulfilment of his kingdom. So that is why we are told to pray this prayer. Actively to pray for heaven on earth. We sang it before the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, verses 9 to 10. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven why would jesus tell us to pray this that heaven will come on earth if we just had an escape plan to get away in the future why would he say bring heaven on earth if his intention for us was to just one day screw off earth and go live in heaven We have to think about this. And one of the questions you might be asking is, isn't heaven in the sky? Isn't heaven in the sky? And that's a very good question to ask because if you look at comic strips, if you look at media, if you look at so much, if you read the Bible, there is evidence that could make us believe that heaven is a place in the sky. You know, St. Peter at the pearly gates, checking your name before you go in, you know, standing on the clouds with a harp, you know, it's like, this is what we've been painted a picture of, much like we've been painted a picture of hell through Dante's Inferno, just fire and burning, and, and like the beach on a summer day and the sand, you know, it's like, this, we've been painted pictures of what heaven looks like, but we actually have to start digging deeper. Because the word heaven in the Bible refers to a number of things. One of them being sky. Another of them being God's space, which is a metaphor that uses the sky as a metaphor to describe God's transcendence over all things. So if you're going to look up to be wow, the sky. Wow, look how powerful and amazing and transcendent it is. When we look at the sky and the heavens, we should be looking at it and say, wow, God is over all things. Another way that we can we the word heaven is used in the passage is to contrast earth and land, which is recognized as human space. So you've got God's space and human space. And there's also a recognition that God isn't literally located in the sky, but rather his presence fills all of creation. So when we approach the idea of, of heaven, we need to be a bit more open-minded than St. Peter on the Father's cloud. Hold it there, because it's something to to make, that might be a comforting thing for you. Hold on to it. It could be that. I don't know. What I do know is that it's that and more. It's that and so much more. Heaven is... A place on earth. You can sing it again if you want. But heaven is a place on earth. And I'm going to go through a few a few passages just to paint us a picture of how we can look at heaven differently. How we can see it as his transcendence over all things. We can look at it as the sky. Or we can see it as a place on earth as well. Definitely not Armadale, but anyway. Genesis 28. <laughs> Genesis 28. Hilton's closer. Genesis, is it? What? No, 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 no. <laughs> Genesis 28, verses 10 to 17 shows that heaven and earth are actually depicted as distinct overlapping dimensions of divine space and human space. This sounds new age. Just read your Bible. It's not new age. <laughs> the Bible's pretty whack. You know, Jacob's dream. But read it well. Read it well. Jacob's dream at Bethel. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached the center place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of those stones there, he put it under his head and laid down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with well, its top reaches to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So we see there in this dream the picture of the star. The sky is where the angels are uh, well, going from. There Above stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples of heaven will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. The gate of heaven. The gate of heaven. There's an overlapping of heaven and earth, of God's space, divine space. There's an overlapping. It says in the Bible that we are not in a a battle against flesh and blood, which tells us that there's a spiritual realm that we have to be wary of. And within that spiritual realm, there is heaven. The overlapping. It's like like a a Venn diagram of two two circles coming together. There's an overlapping of spaces. In the Bible, though, these overlapping spaces were often marked through temples. So we look in 1 Kings 8, verses 27 to 30. it It says, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built? This is Solomon talking. Give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy, Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open toward this temple night and day, this place on which you said, My name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer prayer of your servant pra- uh, so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays towards this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people of Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. So there's a picture of that God says, I will dwell within this temple. I will dwell in this man-made structure, this temple. Yes, God's chosen this, and Solomon's saying that this is your in heaven even though he's on earth, in a temple, in a solitary space, he's in heaven still. So what this paints for us is the picture that heaven and earth are overlapping spaces. And where the presence of God is, there is heaven, there is his kingdom, there is his presence. And his presence is representative of heaven. So what we are seeing in this temple, and the funny thing about this temple is that God decided, all right, fine, you've made me a temple. I'll come live in your temple. Before that, he lived in a tent, and this tent moved around because he said, fine, I'll come live in your tent so you have a place for me. Before that, where was God? Where is God? He's everywhere. Yet he has chosen... He has chosen to be found in a temple. He has chosen to be accessible in a temple. So there is this distinct overlapping space of heaven and earth which was found in temples. Are you following me? Is this good? Are we learning something today? Well, let's learn something even better. Who is the temple that we read about in the New Testament. Jesus. First, foremost, though, is the temple. The New Testament, Jesus is described as the temple where heaven and earth overlap. In John 2 verses 19 to 22, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he will speak to them about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So when Jesus was on earth and the Holy Spirit dwelt within him, the presence of God, what he did is he went around the world, went around his suburbs, city, whatnot, and he brought the presence of heaven wherever he went. Because he was the new temple he was the temple that God had assigned the world. The old temple, the building, could not do what a human could do. Because people were expected to go to the temple, whereas Jesus, heaven, decided that I will go to the people. So what's happened is Jesus shifted this idea of temples and the presence of God, which is indicative of heaven. And he has said that actually, Jesus is the temple. Where he goes, you see me. Where he goes, miracles and signs and wonders follow. Where he goes, healing happens. Where he goes, the hierarchies are overthrown and the kingdom of God is lifted up. Where Jesus goes, there is heaven on earth. Come on. Where Jesus goes, there is heaven. But what was said before is that Jesus then did, her, did something so amazing is he said that well, it was better that I should go that the Spirit should come That the Spirit came and dwelt within people the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave and now he dwells anyone who believes in him therefore the church the big city not just freedom city church but the big sea, the whole church anyone who believes and has received the spirit of God is now the temple where the presence of heaven resides how exciting is that and do you know who is the church you are the church we are the church If you are part of, of, if you have received salvation and you believe in Jesus, you are then called the church. Part of the church, the body. And it's through the presence of Jesus among his followers by the Holy Spirit that heaven and earth, divine and human space, overlap. God's presence lives within us. You are, I've heard this said before, a pocket of heaven. You are a pocket of heaven. Wherever you go, look at it topographically. Look at it as an Apple or Google Maps. As you drive along the freeway, this pocket of heaven is driving along the freeway. Where you are, where you have influence, where you can reach people, you have the presence of God within you. Therefore, you have the ability to create a space where heaven and earth overlap. You are the temple. You are a pocket of heaven. As you go on your way, I want you to remember that. You are a pocket of heaven. When you live for God, God lives through you. As we go to the world, and as people come to know Christ, the pockets of heaven increase, and we show this world what heaven will be like. The now, and the not yet becomes a bit more not yet. More people come to know him, but within the now, we are living in a kingdom that needs heaven, it needs heaven on earth. It says in Ephesians 219 22, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, come on, the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In him you also have built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are his dwelling place. How insane is that that the Spirit of God, presence of heaven, dwells within us. Collectively, and individually. Now, and what, what we see then in the Bible is this picture. The now, and the not yet. And not yet is this new creation, which is a rejoining of heaven and of earth. The two overlapping spaces finally coming together. It says in Romans 8 verses 20 to 21. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him you subjected subjected in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And further we see in Revelation 21, verses 1 to 4, the picture of what it will be or look like when God dwells with his people in eternity. It's called a heaven, new heaven, and new earth. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order things to pass away. We can confidently believe that then that then that, that, that the new heaven and new earth will be the united of God's space with human space. The heaven and earth coming together. This new heaven, this new earth. But heaven and earth unite. Why would God tell us to pray that his will be done that heaven would be on the earth would be like it is of heaven if there wasn't a plan for his creation to be united once again the word the latter word initio means the, the mission of god and the mission of god is everything that he has created will return to him god is not going to throw out that which has been broken but he will reunite, he will restore, and he will reconcile all of his creation. So we have a picture here of a new heaven and a new earth is when heaven and earth unite. So, how should this impact our thinking? Because it's oh, hard, cool, sweet, go no home one day. Good word, good message. Well, it should impact our thinking in a few ways. We should understand that we are ushering in the new creation. You said, let's do it again. As I'm pulling through my life, through the way that I live, as I'm pulling on that tension of the now and the not yet, I am ushering in the new creation. Heaven is here and it's coming. We have to realise that heaven is here already, so we should live according to heaven's standards. Heaven is here, and it's coming. We have what we do to others matter. Unfortunately, Stu can't be here with us today, but I wanted to drop the cosmic nature of this universe. Because everything you do, Matters. What you do to others Matters What you do in private Matters Living a godly, disciplined life Based on kingdom values and principles Matters Why? Because we are representatives Pockets of heaven Who are bringing And ushering in A new creation you know, the Lord's prayer is found in the Sermon on the Mount. And when Jesus is this, he's shared it just with his disciples. And what he's saying to his disciples is, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites that pray in public, out loud with a fancy hat with prayer tassels on it and whatnot. Pray in private that the kingdom of heaven would come when's the last time you were by yourself and you said, God, bring heaven on earth? When's the last time you thought to yourself, God, we need earth to resemble your kingdom more? Because what you do in private is more important than what you do in public. What you do in private will influence what you do in public, but it all starts here, so living a godly, disciplined life based on values and principles matters, I will sound like a stickler this year, do you know what God said to me this year is about for you Andrew, a year of discipline, how sucky is that, he said this is a year of spiritual disciplines, that no one wants God to say into that, God I'm telling you it's a year of abundance, God tell me it's a year of provision God tell me it's a year of breakthrough, tell me it's a year I uh, win the lottery Don't tell me it's a year of discipline Not discipline but disciplines Discipline indicative of heaven, disciplines one worthy of heaven disciplines that will show others heaven what you do in privates brings heaven on earth, when we share the gospel, we bring heaven on earth when we pray in our workplaces we bring heaven on earth, when we treat others the way we want to be treated, we bring heaven on earth when we read our bible, come on when we read our Bible, we bring heaven on earth. When we love our neighbor, we bring heaven on earth. When we advocate on behalf of the outcast, we bring heaven on earth. When we welcome the refugee, we bring heaven on earth. When we lift up the head of the shame, we bring up heaven on earth. When we realize that right here, right now, there is a pocket of heaven in me that the world needs to see, maybe then we'll stop trying to just get people into temples and start taking temples to people. We'll stop trying to get people to church and we realize that the church is the answer that the world needs. Mm -hmm. And I need to go to my workplace. I need to go to my friends. I need to go to my family. I need to go to my sports club. I need to go to my points. I need to go to my markets, And I need to be that pocket of heaven. Because we can get people in here, yes. But let's also be so much more effective and realize that the man of us here, if we all went in different directions and reached one person, that would be such an amazing thing. Heaven on earth would start to be more of a reality. You are the light of the world. The Greek word phos means to shine or make manifest the light, the brightness. You are to make manifest the reality of heaven to the world. You are to shine bright the glory of heaven to the darkest places. To light up the path for the lost so they can find their way home. This is how we bring heaven on earth. We close my eyes. I'm not praying for a conviction. I'm praying for a revelation. I don't want you to feel condemned, I want you to feel inspired. I don't want you to be challenged. I want you to be compelled. That the spirit in you, the heaven in you, the presence of God in you is sufficient to reach those around you. You are the light of the world. A single match in a dark room. Is effective you don't have to be more than what you currently are because it's not about what we do but it's about who God is and when we when we let him shine when we let his truth come forward we start to realize that the world is looking for this this heaven on earth they wrote songs about people they're looking for heaven on earth. And we have the presence of God, the creator of the heavens. He's chosen to live in the temple that is the church, that is this. So every eye closed and every heart abandoned to God. Let's make a commitment. Say "Go, I'm not gonna be afraid anymore. declare your kingdom to declare that you are enough and even though I might not feel good enough it's never been about me but it's been about you all the time so how do we know what are the fundamental truths of heaven? I want to pray for you in a second so just keep your eyes closed the fundamental truths of heaven that concern is as the foundation for how we live on earth. We go to our Bibles and we read. We pray. We meditate. We seek. We fast. We follow. We follow disciplines. God has not hidden his truths from us. We just need so right now, Father God, we pray in this place that you would reveal to us something that we need to shift in our lives. I pray you reveal to us something that needs to change. to your heaven, your presence to be warm. Sing who we are. Lord, we pray that we can lay down our pride, our crowns before you. Because Lord, we want people to see you. We don't want them to see us. We want them to see you. So what we're going to do is we're going to commit. We're going to commit to making changes. Commit to the disciplines. Commit to finding out the fundamental truth of heaven that can serve as the foundation for how we live on earth right now. God, you're good. You have a plan. And it's a very, very good plan. If you agree with that, just say... Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City Podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.